Hello and welcome to The Spectator's Americano podcast, a special series of discussions about the biggest political event of this year, the 2016 US presidential election. My name's Freddie Gray and I'm deputy editor of The Spectator. Today we're going to be talking about the alt-right and Donald Trump. Until Hillary Clinton mentioned Donald Trump's connection to the alt-right, most Americans, let alone Europeans, had no idea what it was. But this is a largely web-based phenomenon that seems to be playing an important, albeit mostly subterranean, role in the 2016 presidential election. So what is the alt-right, and does it actually matter? I'm joined by J. Arthur Bloom, who is managing editor of Front Porch Republic and founder of the Mitrailleuse newsletter, and James Poulos, who is contributing editor at National Affairs and author of The Art of Being Free, which comes out next year. Arthur, to you first, could you first, could you explain to us, uh, to an English audience, what the alt-right is, really, and how important it actually is, and the effect it has or hasn't had on this presidential election? Uh, it depends on who you ask, whether it's a, whether it's a movement or it's just people saying, saying terrible things on the internet. But the biggest sort of moment where it seems to have impacted the presidential election was in late August when Hillary Clinton actually mentioned it in a speech. And I'll quote the little bit from it. Uh, She said, this is not the conservatism as we've known it. This is not republicanism as we've known it. These are race baiting ideas, anti-Muslim and anti-immigrant ideas, anti-woman, all key tenets making up an emerging racist ideology known as the alt-right. Now, alt-right is short for alternative right. So that's uh, she doesn't really elaborate any more than that. But there's been you know, lots of journalists have elaborated more about, you know, who these people are, where they come from. And the agreement seems to be that they come from 4chan, which is sort of the raging pituitary gland of the Internet, where a lot of memes come from. Yeah. And so I think briefly, that's sort of where these people come from. They saw Trump and saw certain affinities with him. He's a you know, trolling is what they do on 4chan and on image boards. And Trump, in a certain sense, is, is a troll. Yeah. And so there, there's sort of a natural affinity there that, that, that has driven this. And there's a particular chat room within 4chan called Poll, I think, is it, and that stands for Politically Incorrect, which is where the, the sort of most virulent alt-writers go. Is that, is that correct? Yeah. Um, so the, there are lots of different image boards on 4chan. Poll is the, or was anyway, the political discussion one. And there have been surveys in the past done of the political views of 4chan, mm. uh, and they're, they're far more right-leaning than you would think. It's sort of a usual mix, well, not a usual mix, a very unusual mix of actual Nazis, of conservatives, of libertarians, and there's even a um, you know fairly good-sized monarchist contingent. So there are people with very strange political views. James, to, to what extent do you think these are just sort of freaks and geeks, and to what extent are they an actual real phenomenon that's making an impact on politics in America? Oh, I think there's been a clear impact this time around. In, in one sense, I think the rise of, of the alt-right, such as it is, was was perhaps more predictable than it seemed. If you look at the way the, the progressive left has been distancing itself from that sort of classical liberalism or, or modern liberalism, mm. the liberalism of, of John Stuart Mill, and moving towards something that's that's much more obsessed with the sort of garrison state of health and safety, yeah. where you're not just trying to sort of take a utilitarian approach to the distribution of, of harm and benefit, but you're really sort of paranoid that anything you say or do is going to hurt someone somewhere. Yes. That movement, I think, uh, away from, from liberalism toward something called progressivism, if you want to put it that way, has has sorted out um, in, in a way that, that results in a political coalition between the super rich on the one hand and the and the poor on the other. Mm. That's not a sort of haves versus haves not society. That's a society in, in which the 
the locus of political opposition is going to arise in a place where people are not obsessed with health and safety. In fact, they might even be more obsessed with with risk and filth and, you know, everything that a that a particularly strict nurse would find appalling, right? <laughs> everything a human research manager would freak out about. That these guys bread and butter. Are you saying that as a mainstream media and mainstream American culture has become more politically correct, the internet has become more aggressively politically incorrect. Oh, I, I think there's certainly something to that. It provides a place where people can can organize. It provides sort of a site for, for social organization. And at a time when so many uh, social institutions seem to be, you know, seem to have fallen on, on pretty hard times in America, trust in institutions is down. You know, even something like the media business, uh, which was once quite stable, is whether you're looking at the golden age of newspapers or of network television or even cable news, you know, all that has sort of been blown apart. Mm. So I think for for disgruntled Americans in general, the internet has served as this kind of mainline of connectivity and organization that's absent from other areas of life these days. Yeah. And, uh, and that also plays into the hands of transgressively reactionary people, too. Arthur, do you see it as the alt-right as political incorrectness gone mad, as people have described it? Yeah, uh, I, I think James is right about a lot of that stuff. The And to some extent, with our sort of culture of ostentatious offense-taking, it was only a matter of time before natural selection produced a candidate that's at least sort of immune to it and a movement that takes advantage of it. You know, the sort of political figures or, and writers like Pedoretz, John Pedoretz, you know, when he gets trolled, he retweets them mm. and, and, and puts their message out there, which, of course, they love. And so, you know, the, the symbiosis tends to benefit the alt-right. It makes people hear more about them when, when people are shouting about how offended they are, the things that people said to, people have said to them. Yes, and alt-writers were, alt-writers were very grateful, weren't they, to Hillary when she called them out. They, they, repeat, they all went online to thank her, didn't they? Absolutely. To what extent do you think there's a sort of variety of opinion within the alt-right? Some of it might be acceptable. And to what extent is it a dangerous, racist, anti-Semitic movement? Well, uh, these people don't carry membership cards, so it's... it's it's kind of impossible to say whether they're, you know, they're just anti-political correctness, fellow travelers, and then they're, but there are clearly some people that that identify with the movement that use its hashtags and so on that actually do have pretty unacceptable political views. And separating those two is far from easy. But to some extent, the alt-right sort of grew out of a, a little bit more intellectual group of bloggers that called themselves neo-reactionaries a couple of years ago. And I started reading them because it sort of reminded me of Tea Party blogging circa 2008. There was a lot of mm. people saying interesting things. There was a lot of original content. People, you know, criticizing democracy and often on sort of libertarian on po- or post-libertarian grounds. They liked the idea of secessionism. They liked seasteads. They liked corporate government, that kind of thing. And those sort of that that more intelligent cadre of bloggers over the last couple of years has sort of been forced out by these more ostentatious people that have come to be known as the alt-right. The Most of the bloggers that I used to follow are no longer actually writing. They've sort of been driven off uh, off of their own blogs and onto private chat rooms. Yeah. James, it seems to English people, I suppose, boring limeys that we are, to be quite an American style of thinking and an American style of politics, a paranoid style of politics. 
Is that a fair critique? Oh, I'm sure that it's it's more accurate than we would like it to be. There is this sort of... Well, I mean, that said, we've got our fair share of loonies on the right and left on online too. But sure. I just it, there's something about the alt-right that seems uniquely American. Oh, I, you know, I mean, in, in a sense, I think that the most uniquely American thing about the alt-right is its ability to sort of indulge in this fantasy that reactionary politics can flourish in America yeah. in a way that they certainly can in Europe. Uh, in the old world, that's still fertile ground for for truly reactionary politics. But in America, I just think it's a dead end. Um, I, I honestly think, you know, however sharp the critique of, of liberalism, however sharp the critique of this progressive health and safety state, it's it's still the case, I would contend, that, that American culture and American political history just do not provide fertile ground for a, a truly reactionary politics, full stop. And I think there's something uniquely American in the way that we can sort of toy with these ideas and, and worldviews that, that if you planted them in other soil, they would result in, you know, in, in mass atrocity. And here they're, they're just sort of like playthings. But I mean, they've got pretty close in, in the Donald Trump phenomenon, or has that always been a, a sort of postmodern joke? Oh, you know, I mean, I think that there was a, a moment there when Donald Trump could have actually run as an exciting populist more more conventionally yeah. than he has and and that he could have won um and it would have been a real you know a real event and and a real administration but i you know i'm i'm very skeptical about these claims that donald trump could usher in some era of american fascism i mean i would much sooner expect him to usher in kind of the the familiar american gong show that has been playing out in so many other areas of life just sort of transfer that into politics. So, you know, I, I understand the, the fears on the left, but I also think that they are also intensely paranoid. Yeah. And that they're almost dedicated as a moral principle to being paranoid. Is there an element that the left and also probably Europeans and Brits too don't really understand how American it is just to noise off, just to sound off, which a lot of this alt-right thing is. It's, it's blowing off steam on the internet. Yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, and this this goes back a long time. I mean, you can find in uh, in Democracy in America, Alexis de Tocqueville sort of marveling at, at the entertainment value Americans extract from objecting to things, yes. uh, objecting to them in the most personal of terms. You know, this is he <laughs> he says that if there's no one around for an American to argue with, they'll they'll argue with themselves. <laughs> uh, and I think there's you know, I think there's something to that in the way that that alt writers taken as as a whole, you know, this is painting with a pretty broad brush. Yeah, but but they love nothing more than to sort of just horrify people who are beginning to catch on to their existence, whether, you know, if, if they can do it in a principled way, they'll do that. If they can do it in a not so principled way, they're happy to do that. And if they do it in a way that sort of scrambles your neat and tidy categorization of what, you know, an inbounds political principle is and what just sort of puckish nihilism is, they I think they like that most of all. And Arthur, what, assuming Trump does lose this election, what will happen to the alt-right? Will it go back to being a sort of thing on the internet that no one has to look at unless they want to? Or does it actually become part of a declining Republican conservative movement? Well, I, I think it'll devolve 
sort of like the conservative movement with recriminations and, and that sort of thing will probably only get worse. And if the stakes are lower, you can bet it'll be bitter, bitter, more bitter and more personal. But but I think if you look at the sort of concepts that they use and the way they use them, they're, you know, they're very anti-American in concept. Like they, they use hashtags like America is the vehicle through which Satan enters the world. They call America the great Satan. Yeah. It's sort of the, you know, our original sin is liberalism that needs to be rooted out. And even what they call themselves, you know, the word Americaner is sort of a borrowed concept. So, you know, the, the prospects for actually becoming a meaningful politics here are slim to none. But you can bet that they'll continue trolling on the Internet. It's an odd irony, then, isn't it, that this Make America Great surface movement, a deep anti-Americanism at its heart. Absolutely. Yeah. James, you, do you think there's an anti-Americanism in the alt-right? Um, to a degree. There are some, there are some sort of founding, uh, founding myths and founding principles that ought to provide a, a backbone for American politics that I think many of them would, would simply disagree with or challenge or reject. Anthropologically, they're not big on, on human equality as such. For instance, yeah. Uh, on the other hand, you know, it's still early days, and and there's a, a world of difference between that that 400 pound guy in the basement on the computer that uh, that Donald Trump uh, tried to blame the DNC hacks on, and a guy like Teal, who is you know who is not just kind of a very wealthy alt right guy. You're talking about Peter Teal, there, the founder of PayPal. Yes, that's right. Who, who's just sorry to explain to, to the audience a bit. Can you explain about what he stands for? Right. So Teal is this billionaire fellow who was uh, made his money through PayPal, sold that off to eBay. He was one of the first early stage investors in Facebook and gradually over the past several years has kind of been coming out as not just quote unquote a conservative, but a, a particularly peculiar kind of, of conservative who is... Because when I knew about him in 2008-10, he was a sort of libertarian extremist, but you're saying he's become something different. Well, that's, yeah, that's right. And he did, he published a couple essays in uh, in libertarian uh, outlets, but he shocked everyone by shifting over to the Trump campaign and, and being a, a Trump delegate at the, the nominating convention this year. His case that he's made, and I think this came out in the Washington Post not long ago, it was effectively the argument that Donald Trump gives us the best or really the only opportunity to kind of shake the tree of the political order here, that we've reached mm. a series of impasses. Obviously, the current ways aren't working or aren't working well enough. There's a, a breakdown of authority. There's a breakdown of efficiency. It's becoming hard for people to articulate what the future is. So no wonder we're experiencing this kind of stagnation and drift toward, you know, honestly, something like akin to what Tocqueville would call soft despotism. So Teal, just, just to, to dot the I, he's got, he's got complicated yeah. political views that are far more sort of futuristic, if you want to call them that, than most of, of what you hear coming out of the alt-right or, or most of the way that it's caricatured. So I think going forward, regardless of what happens to Trump, there there's going to be there's still some unanswered questions about where the center of gravity is in the alt-right movement, how reactionary it is versus forward-looking. Those questions, I think, are still unanswered. And Arthur, do you think that the alt-right could actually tarnish a sort of post-Trump conservative movement? I mean, there are people who support Trump who are not um, bigots and racists, quite a few of them. And yet they will they will be sort of indelibly associated with this radical, rather nasty movement that, that seems to be driven by the alt-right. Uh, I'm actually reasonably optimistic that whatever comes out of the Trump campaign will probably be better than the Republican Party we've seen in the past. Mm. And the potential of them being tarred with Trump, Trumpism and the alt-right, I, I think that's pretty slim. The uh, the people that have actually put their faces to something associated with the alt-right, uh, there, there's maybe Teal, 
he uh, funds a project by one of the you know original neo-reactionary bloggers. So, so various sort of hyperventilating lefty sites have made a lot of hay out of that. And then there's Palmer Lucky, who was the founder of Oculus. Mm. And he it, it came out about a month ago that he was funding a, a troll group for Trump. I, I'm sure most of their posts, most of their content looked a lot like alt-right content. So, you know, he's sort of been outed as having some sort of association. But as far as any sort of post-Trump political realignment being tarred with them, you know, I think the way they would try to do that if they were to, they would find whatever person is leading this and find what Twitter accounts they were following. Yeah, That's probably what it would come down to. But doesn't, I mean, trolling is probably going to, it looks as though trolling is a, is a rising political phenomenon. I can't see that going away. Sure, but it's hard to blame people that are sort of above board or who are putting their actual personalities out there for anonymous trolls, it, it, unless you can actually make that connection. Arthur, James, thanks very much. That's all very fascinating. Just a reminder to listeners that you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes anytime now. Thanks very much for listening and tune in again next time. Mm-hmm.